Well, hello. I'm Lainey, also known as Electro Girl, and I'm an advocate for empowering people to get back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. See, I was diagnosed with epilepsy 30 years ago and basically was never satisfied with hearing from a doctor that pharmaceuticals would be the only approach to controlling my seizures. I just wasn't going to take it. Out of my way, mortal. So I committed many, many years to researching and finding an answer outside of the Western medicine approach to find a more holistic approach in managing and treating my epilepsy and the seizures. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is a show about exactly that. Each week, we will be looking into the life of someone who has been diagnosed with a condition or illness and has succeeded in managing their diagnosis both in and outside of Western medicine. Basically, what put them back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. So hang around with me while we explore living in and outside the medical square when it comes to loving your diagnosis. We have Ronald Fry on today. Ronald's story is really interesting because he was incarcerated for 33 years of his life and he went in when he was 20 with no real problems, nothing as in no, no health problems and inside maximum, maximum security prison, there were things that were starting to unfold with his health just from lack of being able to see the sun for six years as he tells us. Uh, He could see it through a window, but he actually couldn't physically see the sun for six years. He also was a janitor and was with chemicals. And over this time, he started to develop breathing problems, which was then diagnosed that he had sarcoidosis, which is a lung inflammation. So it's a really interesting story. And we unpack a little bits about what potentially could have caused it and what the end result was, which was a very positive thing, which was his freedom and finding love. So stay with us because it's a fabulous story. Fantastic. Welcome to the Lovey Diagnosis podcast, Ronald Fry. How are you today? I am awesome. And where exactly geographically are you in the world? Lone Tree, Colorado. Okay. I just spoke to someone from Denver, Colorado. Is that close? Maybe a 15-minute drive south. It's a southern suburb. Fantastic. Well, thank you for taking the time because it's like ending your day now to um, speak to me. Now, the purpose of this podcast, as you know, is to go deep into what you've been diagnosed with and how you're dealing with it. So I'm going to let you um, talk about what you've been diagnosed with, um, how long ago, and a little bit of a brief description of, of how it affects your life. Okay. In 1999, I was diagnosed with sarcoidosis. I was having problems breathing, shortnesses of breath. So started seeing doctors and eventually I got sent to a specialist and he came up with the diagnosis. Basically, it's, sarcoidosis is not necessarily a lung disease. It's, it's a rare disease that attacks the arteries. It could attack anything, your heart, your kidney. It just happened to have attacked my lungs. And basically what happens is it causes swelling, whatever it attacks. 
and we all know your lung swelling is not good. And it's like it's like a form of asthma, you know. I don't I can't say if it's a little more intense or not because I've never had asthma, you know, problems until this occurred. But yes, it, it definitely could cause attacks and breathing issues. And it's weird because before I started having the breathing problems, my brother got me to reading some yoga journals and I didn't think much of them. I was, I would glance through them, but first sign of problems with my breathing, I just happened to slide into a chapter and it talked about performing these yoga exercises every day and it'll assist you with any type of breathing problems. And I thought I'd give it a shot. I didn't get really into it right away. But eventually, as I learned how serious my lung condition was, I figured it wouldn't hurt. So I started every day making it an everyday exercise. And right away, I realized how helpful it was because if I took a day or two off, I would have problems breathing. Wow. The person who wrote the article, he specifically said, you have to do these exercises every day of your life. He mentioned that. And I now I, I quickly learned why he said that. So how old were you in 1999? I was 1999, 29. <laughs> <laughs> 29. Okay. So just to get an example of a bit of your background, which is so interesting, Ron, what was your life like before you, you got diagnosed? Were you a smoker? Like why was your breathing labored because of different things that you were going through in your life or was it genetic? Nobody in my family had any type of COP problems at all. It could be a various amount of things. I smoked a little. I didn't smoke a lot. I smoked a lot of marijuana. I didn't smoke a lot of cigarettes though, but I never put too much focus or emphasis on it. But maybe a span of 18 months prior to me having breathing problems, I was incarcerated at a super maximum facility in Colorado and I became a janitor and I would clean these small shower areas and the chemicals were very, very strong. I never thought nothing of it until years later, but there's a good possibility that those chemicals could have damaged my mm. lungs because I know for a fact that they were just so strong. And you were incarcerated uh, before you got diagnosed. You were incarcerated as a juvenile. I was incarcerated when I got diagnosed. I got diagnosed oh. while I was still incarcerated. I was being sent out of the prison to a facility a doctor's facility outside of the prison. Oh, so you were already inside and then these problems were happening. Right. Okay. So what 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 age were you when you got went into uh were incarcerated is probably a lovely way to say it. Twenty years old, yes. Did you have breathing problems before you went in or did they start when you went inside? Never had any problems breathing prior to that incarceration, but like I said, nine years later Definitely. So you've gone to see the doctor. What actually made you like, you know, wake up one day and go, I cannot do this anymore. I've got to get help. Okay. I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. Tell the story. I don't think I got to that point, but here's when I knew something was wrong and I had no inkling anything was wrong. I used to do pull-ups and push-ups, sit-ups. I exercised every day. Like I said, I was in a maximum security 
Actually, they're called super maximum securities in the United States. And it's, it was a situation then. It's illegal now. They don't even, they're not allowed to do it in the prisons anymore, but they would lock you in a cell 24 hours a day to punish you for things that you've done within, within the prison system. But anyway, a lot of people, they try to stay focused by exercising. And I exercised a lot. I was in great shape. So like I told you, I was the janitor and I feel I had caught the problems from the chemicals, but I was walking up the stairs with the mop bucket full of water one day. And there's a guy who's in a cell at the very top of the stairs. And he said, Tiger, do you have asthma? I said, no, I ain't got no asthma. I said, what make you ask that? He said, because you lost your breath walking up the stairs. And it kind of blew me away. Like, what is he talking about? But then I had to, you know, gather my thoughts. Like if he said that he had to notice something, he's locked inside of a cell and he noticed that. And sure enough, right after that, that's when I started noticing I'm having labor problems breathing. I couldn't exercise as much as I was. My exercises were being really, really labored because I would lose my breath after doing pull up. So finally, I went to a doctor and it turns out the prison doctor told me I had pneumonia. So I got medication. Sorry to interrupt. Were the cells cold? Yes. Yeah, right. Concrete. Yep. Cold. Yep. 24-7. Shit. Yeah, okay. Yep. You know. The the puzzle unfolds. Mm. You, it's like you was there. (laughs) You just. (laughs) (laughs) Concrete, cold. Yep. That's what was going on in that facility. So, okay. so, So you were diagnosed with pneumonia. Right. First. And then they gave me some antibiotics and that got cleared up and the breathing still didn't clear up after that. It was still problems. And that's when I went and they started giving me inhalers, this, that and stuff, but nothing was clearing up. So finally they did a test and it was sometimes, I forgot the name of the test, but it determines your lung capacity. And she told me I had, my lungs were like 130 years old or something, she said, but they were in bad shape. And that's when we started taking the measures to see the lung specialist. And that's when I eventually got diagnosis with sarcoidosis. Wow. I'm not surprised. Did you see much daylight? Did they let you, if you're in this super, super duper maximum security, did they let you see the sun? That's so funny. <laughs> I wrote a section in one of my books where I talk about that actual facility I was at. I was in a cell for six and a half years. I saw sunlight. But because the way the cell was, I didn't see the sun for six and a half years. Holy. I saw daylight, but I didn't get to see the actual sun. It didn't dawn on me to years, years, maybe 10 years after I was out of that situation. And I was writing one of my books and I said, wow. And that's just a chapter that I ventured off into. And I, you know, just started talking about that in one of my books. But yep, six and a half years, no sunlight. Unbelievable. I mean, that's punishment enough for getting that you're incarcerated. We won't segue too much into this, but with all this COVID stuff going on and the, uh, you know, alternative practitioners talking about how important vitamin D is for the cells to boost your immune system, there's a lot of talk around vitamin D. And so, so if you're dealing with this inflammation in your body and you weren't getting any natural vitamin D, and I'm assuming they didn't hand you supplements or vitamins to help you get better on any level. Would that assumption be right? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So you were you were on your own. The survivor, you know, body had to just do what it could do. Tough, Ron. 
tough. How long did they keep you out of jail for? I hate to say jail. What's a nicer word to, to use? That's that's fine. That's that's what it is. It's jail. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's that, no right. problem. Okay. Uh, it's it's like it's what they call a day trip. They they shackle you. You they handcuff you. They take you. A couple of guards take you to the doctor. You see your doctor, and you come back to the prison. It's it's not an overnight thing. It's just like a doctor's appointment for you, but I'm being assisted and restrained. Right. So they ran tests. They've diagnosed you with this sarcoidosis. Yes. And what did what did you leave that doctor's office with that day as as far as the prognosis for the future and medications? Well, it wasn't much given to me because, you know, I was incarcerated and I didn't have any insurance, this, that, and other, but I had my mom do research on it. She did a lot of research and she kind of was like my doctor. And the first thing she told me, because they tried to give me a lot of prednisone to keep the swelling down in my lungs. And right away, she told me she don't want me to stay on that. That's not good. It's a wonder drug. It helps a lot of stuff. But you don't want to get too much into using that prednisone because it, it has bad effects. So I, I had to take it because I had some real serious problems breathing for a while. And it did take the swelling down in my lungs. But Outside of that, like I said, I just was like listening to my mom. She guided me. Let me see. I think I was incarcerated 12 more years after the diagnosis. And I kind of just let her walk me through. And they gave me a QVAR inhaler, an albuterol inhaler. And I was allowed to go to the prison doctor's facility to take nebulizer treatments. And So that's more for asthma, isn't it? Or, or yeah, it's not specifically for what you had. Did you continue doing the janitor work or did you make the connection and, and go, no, nah, don't want to do it anymore? I definitely got away from the chemicals. To this day, I won't work around chemicals. Chemicals can have effect on a person with great lung capacity if you're not knowing what you're working with, but I just have to be extra careful. Yeah. I guess being incarcerated, you've got no control over your diet at all, really, do you? I got lucky and I woke up fast. You know, I became a big fruit eater. They only give you a certain amount of fruit. So what I would do, I was fortunate where I didn't have financial problems while I was in there. I could pay guys for their fruit. I'd keep apples and oranges in my cell. I'd get extra bananas. I ate lots of vegetables. And I would pay people who worked in the kitchen. And they would find ways to bring me stuff back to the cell house. And I just, I tried to make my diet as healthy as you could in there. You know, you actually can buy vitamins off a canteen. So, you know, I started getting myself vitamins. And like I said, it's, I was fortunate that I was financially able to do all of the stuff that could assist me with getting my diet a little better. But if you're not financially able, then there's no way you can even come close to having a healthy diet in there. Or you just be eating what the state feeds you. Right. So you've really got to barter your way through. That's right. Were you able to like read any books about this and empower yourself that way to understand it more? They had zero about it. To this day, they know very little about the disease. But, you know, the, the little that they do know, you can go on the Internet and pick stuff up. I can't say because I haven't checked lately. But when we first start researching, it was a disease that only attacked African-Americans in the United States. Outside of the United States, maybe in your country, there were people who were diagnosed with it who weren't. 
But in this country at that particular time, it was just a disease that attacked African-Americans. Okay. Bizarre. Does anyone else have it that you know? Yes. My mom's childhood friend in Chicago has it. She's probably 80 years old, but she I don't think she's as heavy into focusing on it like I am. I mean, she's retired. She probably doesn't do much, so she probably don't need to. But because I do work lots of hours a week, you know, I go places, I have grandkids, stuff like that. I got to just really pay attention to it and I don't lose focus. The guy in the yoga journal, his exact words was, he's not telling people to to not take the man-made medication for your breathing problems. He, but he, he assured you, if you did these yoga exercises every day of your life, you'll be better off. And I still take, I have two inhalers that I have to take every morning. I still do all of that stuff. But I know that yoga, it gets me over the top. That's fabulous. There's a lot of conversation around breath work at the moment for all of us, you know, regardless of inflamed lungs or not, just all the anxieties and lots of other conditions that are turning back to to the breath as medicine. Lucky you got onto that quite early. Very early. So when you were diagnosed, I, I read that it's incurable. Do you believe that? I can't say I do or don't believe it's incurable. But I do believe it's manageable, hands down. And how long have you been a free man for now? I was released September 2015. Okay. This is totally off topic, but was it hard to reintegrate into society after such a long time? It is hard, but it wasn't hard for me because, one, I had great family and friends, support, As well, I made a decision before I was released that I was going to change my way of thinking and that I was going to succeed out there. And I did everything my last 18 months to prepare myself mentally. I mean, that's all I can do in there. You know, I can't job hunt while I'm in there. So I prepared myself. (laughs) I prepared myself mentally and I've stayed on course. And as far as managing your condition outside, do you, do you find that you feel healthier? I mean, this is a ridiculous question to say, but I'll oh, fuck it. I'll say it anyway. Have you found that your condition has changed being on the outside? Most definitely. Talk us through that. Uh, you hit the nail on the head when we first started this conversation. The temperature in the cells. I mean, every now and then you could get fortunate and they might have a livable situation. But most cells in the prisons I was in in the wintertime is very, very cold. I've had altercations with prison guards over the freezing temperatures in the prison cell. It was unacceptable. Yeah. It's not really a place where you go to get healthy. I suppose it's a system that you're punished for your choices. So yeah, battling a a condition in there would be really tough, but you've lived to tell the story. And how are you now um, empowering other people about your journey now that you're out? Or have you got a, you, you mentioned you wrote a book. What's that called? I wrote, my first book is called God Can and God Will. All you have to do is ask. And I'm going to say something right quick about that. 
somebody asked me, why do you choose Christianity? And I told them real simple, it's what worked for me. I tried a lot of stuff to get my mind right before I got out of prison. That's what got my mind right. Might not work for you. Might not work for my fiance. It worked for me. My second book, Inside Outside, The Ultimate Love Story. It varies. It talks about me growing up in Chicago. And I want people to see that side as well as the prison side to understand why I wrote the book. Because after being a not so loving person for so long, for a woman to come into my life and just like hit me over the head with a club and right away I'm starting to understand and feel this love thing and not the love of a man and a woman, just love, period. You know, and I and I try to stress that in my book. You know, I met my fiance when I was incarcerated and she was a prison guard. Ultimate Love Story. That's the name of the book, The Ultimate Love Story. <laughs> Inside, Outside, The Ultimate Love Story. <laughs> Ironically, that's the exact name of the book. Like I said, it wasn't so much about me falling in love with her when I met her, although I did, didn't understand it till years later, but it's just how she instantly softened me up. Mm. I was a real hard, dark person. And right away from the very first time I met her, I said, wow, something's going on here. Other inmates would tell me, man, you're acting different. Mm. What's wrong with you? And it's awesome. I mean, I'm thankful every day that I have her in my life because I know she was a key part to all of my change. That's magnificent, Ron. So would you say now that you constantly need to think about the inflammation in your lungs with what you do? And would you say that you love your diagnosis or are you just kind of living with it and managing it? You say, do I love my diagnosis? Is that correct? Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I said. It's, I've never thought about it like that. Sounds kind of weird, but I guess you could say I love my diagnosis because I think it played a part in me changing. It made me take life more serious because at the time, I hadn't even attempted to change my life around. You got to remember, I was incarcerated for 12 more years after I was diagnosed. I was still a little bit on the crazy side. But a part of me had to stop because I knew I didn't want this disease to take me out. So I had to start putting focus on that. And yeah, I think it made me start taking life a little more serious. And because of that, yeah, I think I do love it. It could go both ways for you. It could be a constant reminder of where you got it and how you got it. True. Or yeah, it could be seen as a gift, which is what you're choosing, which I commend you on. And like you say, every every condition, everything that we have to deal with, it does teach us. It's, it is a teacher. Just to go back onto the lifestyle part of managing it, do you find that certain foods that you eat or hay fever or certain weather temperatures, like when you get cold now, does it act it up? Well, I've always, and people joke because before COVID, I would always have masks on in the wintertime and people would always, why do you got a mask? Why do you got a mask? Keep the cold out of my lungs. So, you know, they kind of joke about it. Like this guy used to wear masks before COVID. I, not so much because like I said, I, I, I make sure I don't get cold in. I avoid the chemicals and I'm not sure what used to cause my outbreaks in prison, but I haven't had any since I've been home. I mean, I've had problems with my breathing, but sarcoid, causes skin problems. And I would get bad rashes when I was incarcerated from the sarcoid. I mean, really bad. 
And since I've been home, I may have had one or two and it hasn't been nothing like the ones that I used to get. The rash is in there. So it's definitely something that's different just because of that alone, because I definitely used to get rashes on my arms, back of my hand, very bad. And I just don't get those anymore. And that could have been a big part of the diet because you just, no matter how much you get your vitamins and how much I try to get my apples, this, that, and other, my three main courses came from the state. Yeah, right. And the environment. I imagine that there'd be a lot of anger in a place like that, that that energetically you pick up on as well, that would have to have uh, an impact energetically on the people in there, you know? Definitely. And that's something else that I talk about in my books. I'm a big energy person and that's that's big in there. I mean, perfect example is when I made my change my last 18 months. It directly impacted a lot of real bad people because I used to be one of those bad people with them. And now they're wondering, like, this guy sitting in a cell reading the Bible. This guy's in there studying for a Cisco certification all day and won't come out of cell. I used to just be running rapid like a madman through the prison. So me changing the energy that I was putting out because of my change, it was directly hitting people. I had a situation in there, and I'm just going to give you a little bit because I want you to read about it in my book. It could have turned so bad so fast. It was racial. You know, it was it was whites and blacks race wise. And because the positivity that I bought to the situation, it just died down and disappeared. I had to write about it in my book because situations don't die down and disappear in prison. It just don't happen. And it just shows you the power of energy. I mean, I was just so positive about it. And everybody had to be like, well, wow, <laughs> there's no way this guy's being this positive about this. And there really should be bloodshed right now all over the dining room. It was so weird. It just stuff like that has just opened my eyes to a whole different world, literally. So happy to hear that from you. And so happy that you got to make a bit of a change in the energy of the system before you left as well. I'll wrap it up with this question for you. Is there any parting words that you can say to people, to anyone that might be experiencing some lung conditions that you recommend? Definitely any type of breathing situations, COP, asthma, uh, anything that's that's causing you problems with your breathing and you've diagnosed with something, do breathing exercises. You can Google all type of breathing exercises. They'll tell you. I mean, you can just sit on your couch and take deep breaths in your nose with your mouth closed. Hold it in your lungs. Exhale. You do that five minutes a day. You're going to be because you're ex. Basically, I like to joke and say yoga is weightlifting for your lungs. And it's definitely going to make a difference. The mindset. I'm just I'm so big on the mindset. If you have a positive mindset about any diagnosis, you just you're going to be so much ahead of the pack because sadly to say a lot of people they get down when they're diagnosed with something. And that mindset is just such a game changer. If you think everything's going to be all right, it's going to be all right. Yeah. 
empower yourself, research. That's been a lot of the common common threads of a lot of people I've interviewed. Get in, get in the driver's seat of your diagnosis, of your condition. Be part of the solution, not part of the problem. There you go. Driver's seat. Don't be a passenger. Oh, it's been such an amazing... I knew this would be a great little interview. Thank you. Is there anything else you wanted to kind of say to wrap up or... I'm just so grateful that you invited me this is my first podcast i've been interviewing for podcasts for the longest i am very grateful to you well hopefully this will spark more interest in on on different different aspects of this because of your life fascinating thank you so much for taking the time to share your story fascinating and i'll send you the link when it's open and you can share it to wherever the hell you want to share it to all right. Awesome. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And thank you for being a survivor and, and totally changing your life and being part of the community. Well done, you. Thank you. Thumb up. All right, Ron, take care of yourself. You do the same. Bye for now. If you would like to donate to the running of this podcast and you can afford a few little bucks a month or whatever it is that you can afford to keep the show going without ads please hit the PayPal button. And if you've got a few loose coins, that would really mean a lot to me and other people who are listening to this podcast and getting seeds of inspiration. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that just means more people will know about it. If you've got a story that you want to share, that you've had success with and that you've researched and found some some joy and gold in your own diagnosis, please hit me up. I'm always happy to share anyone's story. The main takeaway message in these podcasts is get second opinions, find a doctor that you really resonate with and research the shit out of what you're going on. Get back in the driver's seat of your health, everyone. You do not need to take one person's opinion about the rest of your life and how to live it. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm Lainey Godiva.